horrible. Misery that comes from being in a place that is far from God. A place where sin runs rampant. Where people are doing things that are not consistent with what God desires. It's dark and it's miserable. And it feels like chaos. So that's the first thing he says. But also there is a thick darkness or an RFL that will cover the earth. This is the same word. It's like a dark cloud. It's the same word that that Moses talked about, about the cloud that was around Mount Sinai when God was there giving the Ten Commandments, the law. This dark cloud that kept the people from coming up. They were terrified of this darkness. We can kind of understand this darkness when we see, you know, on cloudy days here in the valley, when the clouds are about 20 feet above your house and it just socks in. That That dark cloud that covers everything. Some people, it really bothers them. There are some people who have to take medication because of how thick the darkness is. That's the sort of darkness we're talking about here. People living in chaos and misery. And it's just a thick blanket of darkness that covers them. We still feel this darkness today. I mean, we see it in the world around us. This week I was thinking about our brothers and sisters in the Congo. The covenant churches there. And the things that they have suffered. The people, our brothers and sisters there. The wars that they have suffered. Where men brutally kill each other. Children are made into soldiers. And exposed to horrible things. Where women are raped and then mutilated. This is darkness. And it's not just in that place. There is darkness here in Canada even today. There are women and young children who are sexual slaves in in our home or in the country where we live. There are women and children who are traded like commodities in Vancouver, in Calgary, in Toronto. There is darkness in Canada too. And there's darkness in our lives. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The darkness that you have faced in your life. The abuse that some of you have endured, physical or sexual. The relationships that you've had that have just been torn apart. The darkness that we felt in our own lives. So there is a darkness here. There is a darkness that is reality too. But I praise God that darkness is not the final word. Darkness is not the end. Misery is not the final word. Chaos is not the final word. Because God said, your light, His light has come. The glory of the Lord appears on you. God, in God, this light has come. And this light has come in Jesus. He is this light. Jesus is our Messiah, this light who has come into the world. He fulfills this light. I was thinking, I was reading this in... I want to show you just one thing. If you look at your sheet here, or in your Bibles, at at verse 6, it says, Herds of camels will come come over or cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. But listen to this part. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Now, in, in the NIV, they say incense, because nobody knows what frankincense is anymore. But what other stories do you know of where foreigners came bearing gold and frankincense, proclaiming the praise of the Lord? Does anybody recognize that? 
Anybody at all? The wise guys, right. The magi coming. Coming because they were looking for a new king who had been born. They were following the star of the king. And they came to worship him. Now, without preaching a sermon on Matthew 2, you can imagine what this was like. They come to the guy who thought he was king. They come to Herod and they say, we're looking for the new king. And Herod, oh, interesting. Tell me more about this. Show me where I, so I can go worship him. So that these magi, they come, they follow the star to Bethlehem, to this manger, and they find Jesus. And they worship him. These foreigners, guys who know about astrology and stars and and kings, and they come and they worship this child. And they bring him gifts of gold and incense or frankincense. Are any of you thinking right now, like, you know, Jason, I think it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? It is. Isaiah doesn't talk about myrrh. But the Magi brought myrrh to Jesus. Now, we don't use myrrh much. I've never used it. I don't even know what it smells like. But in that time, myrrh was used to prepare bodies for burial. It was a spice used to preserve bodies. So this is sort of odd when you think about it. The closest thing I could imagine is if someone brought a catalog of caskets to a baby shower. Trying to explain not only like this child is a king, but also this child is is destined to die. That myrrh was a a spice used to prepare bodies for death. And so I think Matthew, he tells us this part because Matthew wants us to see two things. He wants us to see that one, that God, that Jesus, this child in a manger who's come from the house of David and the house of Abraham, that he is this king, this light who has come. But not only is he king, he's trying to explain to us or begin to hint to us how he will become king. That it's through his sacrifice, through the cross, through his death and resurrection that Jesus becomes not just king of Israel, but king of kings, lord of lords. The great king of the great kingdom that has come. Matthew's trying to show us. And then this is just, I mean, there's just one of the veins that runs through Isaiah, through the New Testament about light. So it's, it's sort of subtle, but hopefully you're seeing some of the connections there. It gets better. It gets better. In John's Gospel, John remembers Jesus talking a lot about the light. When Jesus had gone, in, in John chapter 8, when he'd gone to the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus out and out says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or a bit later in John 12, when Jesus is at the Passover feast, his final Passover, when he's headed towards the crucifixion, Jesus says, the light, for a little while longer, the light will be with you. Walk in the light while there is light. So that you're not consumed or overtaken by the darkness. Because those who walk in darkness don't know where they're going. Walk while it's light. Believe in the light and you will be called sons and daughters of the light. For I am, I am like as light that's come into the world. Whoever follows me will not remain in darkness. John remembers Jesus saying that he is this light, this light that's come into the world. Now we think, okay, we hear light, and I don't know, I, I 
I wouldn't be surprised if some of you kind of thinking like just kind of light in the general sense, light is beauty, light kind of in a new age, spiritualism, mysticism. And that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what Isaiah is talking about. When Isaiah talks about the light, he's talking about the light as Jewish people understood it. And I think when he's talking about it, when Isaiah talks about the light, he talks about it in another place. He says, Isaiah talks about the light. He says, um, do away with the yoke of oppression, pointing fingers and malicious talk. Spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. Satisfy the needs of the oppressed. And then, then your light will rise in the darkness. And your night will become as noonday. See, for the people of God, light is not just some warm, fuzzy, feel-good, mystical thing. It is apical. It has touched down in our life. It has hands and feet. It removes the yoke of oppression. It spends itself to feed the hungry, to satisfy the needs of the oppressed. When Jesus is the light, he's also talking about this. Jesus is this light. And we see it, the reality of it in his first coming, that he is this light. I mean, it was Isaiah who said, he said, it is not enough for you to be my servant and to, to bring back the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel whom I have kept. I will also make you to be a light to the Gentiles that you may take my gospel, my good news, my salvation to the ends of the earth. And we see this already has begun in Christ. I mean, think about it. There are, we have brothers and sisters around the world now. Over two and a half billion followers of Jesus around the world. The nations are coming to the Lord. The nations are coming in to the kingdom. This has begun in Christ. But we also realize that it's not quite like God, God describes it. It's good, but it's not as good as, it's, as he's fully described. So we, we proclaim the good news that Christ has come. That God's kingdom has come. And has come as a seed. And we are waiting for it to bloom into full flower. The kingdom has begun now, and it's still waiting for it to come fully. John, when he was on Patmos, one of the followers of Jesus, Jesus gave him this amazing vision. And he saw God's city coming down at the end of time. When Christ had returned. And he said, in that city there will be no temple. Because the Lord God Almighty and His Lamb, they are the temple. And this city will not need light of the, of the sun or light of the moon because the glory of the Lord will be its light and the Lamb will be its lamp. And the peoples of all the earth will come to the Lord. They will fill in through the gates and the kings of the earth, they will bring their splendor into it. This picture looks forward to Christ's return when the nations will gather around the Lord our God when they will follow him faithfully. This began in Jesus. And it's good. And the light has come, but we're waiting for the light to come in its fullest sense, too. So the light has come in the Lord. The light has come, and it has come in Christ. 
But again, God makes this other statement. He says, the nations of the world will come to you. They will come to you praising God. They will bring their riches into you. The thing I want us to see here is that God is doing amazing things through, through God and through Jesus, but also through us. That we are these people. That we are the ones that God is working through. Think about it on that day. When the conversations that you've had with people. The things that you've talked with people about faith. Cheryl, about your neighbor. That because of God's faith, because of Christ and who he is, we are part of the people of God. Some of you might be thinking, okay, Jason, I hear what Isaiah is saying, but isn't this just for the people of Israel? Well, as I listen to Paul, one of Jesus' first pastors, one of the first pastors of the church, he said, by Jesus' faith and by your faith in Jesus, you have been grafted into the people of God. You too. We are the people of God too. The light has shone on us. God is working through us to draw the nations to himself. So Jesus says, he says in, on his, on his, when he's on the, on the sermon, he's preaching this great sermon on the mount in Matthew's gospel. He says, you are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He's saying, you are the light of the world too. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't, take a, you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, you put it in the high place so it gives light to the whole house. It says, shine your light before people, before all people. So they will see the good things that you do and they will give God praise for it. Not that we have this light, not that we produce this light by ourselves, but it's God in us, God's spirit in us that, that comes out like light. That reveals who God is by the way that we live. By the way that we bless people who, have, who never expected it. By the way we show up to help when no one else will. These things shine the light in the world. These are the sort of things that people see and they praise God for it. Like Jerry and Jean Ann, the ways you've been helping your neighbor for a long time. And how they realize. And Cheryl gets to talk with them, well, do you know why they do that? It's not just because they are happy and nice people. They are. But they are this way because of what God has done in their lives. Because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus and who he is, you are new people. You've been made a new people. Once you were not a people, but now you are. You've been brought into the family of God. And not only are you new people, you are a new kind of people. You are the church. And I know we've 2,000 years of church and what that means, but in Greek it means called out. You are the people who've been called out. Who've been called out of the world to go back into the world. To show them what it looks like to follow God. To show them what it means for our lives and what it can mean for them to follow God too. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. We're called to be in the world, but not of it. We're not called to, to come to Jesus and then go off to our tiny little huddle and hope the world figures it out someday. No, God, Jesus says, you are in, be in the world. Be involved, connected with your neighbors, encouraging them in faith. Having, taking surveys to them, asking what they think. How should we be helping as a church? Talking with your friends. Encouraging them, praying for them. 
You are the light too. You've been called to this. And it is amazing when we see people come to faith. Listen to this. Isaiah says, when he's talking about people coming to the Lord, he says, lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons from afar and your daughters are carried in the arm. But get this part. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. I don't know how many of you have had a chance of praying with someone when they've come to faith. Or investing in a friend for a long time to finally say, you know, I think I see what you're talking about now. I think I see why you believe in Jesus this way, why you've devoted your life to him. It is the most amazing thing. It is the most amazing moment when someone says, I see how God is at work in you, and I believe too. It's an amazing moment because it's about their eternity, about their eternity with God and God's kingdom, but it also matters about their life right now, about the fullness of life right now. It changes everything. Isaiah says, the nations will come to you and you will be joyful. You'll be radiant. Your heart will throb with joy. He says, they will bring their treasures in. The wealth of the nations will come. This is not treasure for you, for your sake. They're bringing treasures in because of God, praising Him, because of who God is. And you think about it, it's sort of ironic. You know, as our friends who, who aren't following Jesus yet, I mean, how much they spend their life on, on getting stuff, on more money, more things. And someday, the nations are going to be bringing it to God, saying, God, we love you, we praise you, take this. Thank you for what you've done for us. Take this. It's the least we could do. Take this. And we will all be gathered together. Imagine what that moment will be like when you are there praising God and this person comes up to you and says, you know, you don't know me, but you spoke with my father about faith. And he began to believe and he helped me in my faith. Those conversations that we don't even know. I mean, Jerry, about the, the, your neighbor who you don't even understand how it's all helping out until Cheryl goes and talks to him and tells you. The things that we do the way that we cultivate God's kingdom. I can't wait until that day when we are all with Christ and we see the fruit of what we've been doing. Even the things that we had no idea that we were doing. The nations will come to you praising God. Jesus is the light, but so are you. So some of you might still be wondering, okay, I see this, Jason. I see what you, the connections here. God's light has come. Jesus is the light. We're like, okay, Thank you, but what does this have to do with my life? Don't worry, I haven't forgot about you. What does it have to do with my life right now? Well, in one sense, everything. And if I could just horribly oversimplify this, Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah, the Lord who has come. Making things right with us, between us and God. The things that we've done, Sinful things. I know our culture doesn't really like the word sin, but it's what it is. Sinful things. Things that we regret. Things that we've done that we know are wrong. That we are ashamed to even talk about. God has taken care of these things for us through His Son, our Lord Jesus. He's he's reconciled us to His Father. Because of what Jesus has done, we are right with God now by believing into Him, by trusting Him with our lives. 
We have been set free. You know, in a lot of ways, people see Jesus as a new exodus. Not an exodus from slavery in Egypt, but an exodus from slavery to sin. You've been set free in Christ. And not just for today, but forever. We have a new hope in Christ. A hope of being with Him until the end of days. Forever. And this kingdom of God has come. The good news that God's kingdom is at work now. His light of of taking off the yoke of oppression. Of satisfying the oppressed. Of spending himself for the sake of the hungry. These things are already happening, but we wait until they happen in full when he comes again. And so we look forward like crazy. We pray all the time, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your righteousness and your justice and your grace and your mercy. Your shalom fill all the earth. The fullness of your peace. Not just the end of wars, but the fullness, the provision of God. Joy and celebration. Where everything is marked by God's love. This matters for our life because when we believe into Jesus, when we hear this grand story of how God created things good and they went horribly wrong and then God set about on the task of redeeming all of creation to himself, that has implications for our whole life. When we start following Jesus... It shapes the way that we relate to our spouse. When we start following Jesus, things change with the way that we understand our purpose in life, what we are here to do. When we start following Jesus, when we devote our lives to Him, the things that we regret, the things that we hate about what we've done, we realize that those things are forgiven. As hard as it is to understand in the world around us where people don't like to forgive, they like to hold grudges, we realize that God has forgiven us through his, Lord, through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that begins to work out and change everything. So some of you are thinking, okay, I think I get it. The light has come. Jesus is the light. We are the light. And when we believe in Him, it changes our life. But what about this week? <laughs> Tell me, how can I apply this to my week right now? And I've got, I know it's Christmas, And usually we have one thing, but it's two things this week. Believe into Christ. Believe into Him. Now I'm saying believe, and there's in in Greek there's this connection between belief and faithfulness. So maybe another way to say it is faithfully follow Jesus this week. You know, because sometimes we have the word believe, and you can mean something sort of as superficial as like believe in Santa Claus which is sort of like convince yourself mentally that there's, like, that's not what we're talking about. When, when John in his gospel says, believe into Jesus, he says, believe into him, with the Hebrew sense of, of follow him. Believe with, not just with your lips or with your mind, but with your whole life. Believe into Jesus and follow him. The second is this, shine your light. Jesus said you, this already, you are the light of the world, shine your light, so that by your good works, people will praise God. Now I know it's Christmas, I know in a couple days is Christmas, and so you've got lots of stuff going on. I know you've got meals to cook and presents to wrap and parties to go to, and I know it's busy, but if you could squeeze these things in just a little bit. Good, thank you. Some of you are picking up my sarcasm. Thank you. It's not too subtle. Believe into Christ. Believe into Jesus and shine your light. Shine your light in practical ways. Serve somebody who doesn't deserve it who hasn't paid you for it or hasn't somehow done something for you that you owe them. Just serve them. 
Or give someone a gift that's not expecting it. And just say, I I just wanted to give this to you. I wanted to, to bless you. Or encourage a friend this week. Maybe a friend who's following Jesus already and who's going through a difficult time. Encourage them in faith. Remind them of God's faithfulness and of his presence in their life. Or maybe it's a friend who hasn't, who hasn't yet followed Jesus, who doesn't know about Jesus. Encourage them in faith, too. You have an awesome opportunity right now to say, here's why I'm excited about Christmas. Because I believe that the Son of God has come, he's lived among us, and he died and rose again that we might have new life in him. And then off you go in your conversation. So shine this light, this light of God in you. Shine it into the world this week. I'm reminded of Isaiah's words. He says, remove the yoke of oppression. And the pointing finger and the malicious talk. Spend yourself, spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. Satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then, then your light will rise in the darkness. And your night will shine as the noonday. Be bearers of God's light this week you celebrate the fact that Christ has come.